Good day and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on VOW FM. That's Voice of Vits, broadcasting live from our studios in Bramford, Johannesburg. My name is Mbriwa Mob, Justice Covers, and I'll be your host for today. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to uh, unpack and keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about the world of business. Now, for today, we're talking about uh, what it means uh, to grow your money. We've had uh, you know, shows that uh, spoke around uh, similar themes um, in the past, investing as a young adult, for example. We had that recently, um, saving um, as a young adult. But today we're just trying to see um, some of the more practical ways and elements um, through which people can actually be investing, um, especially in the stock market. So to help us to navigate this topic, we're going to be talking uh, to Charles Savage, who is the CEO of the Purple Group, about uh, their platform called Easy Equities, uh, which is there for investing in shares. Uh, they've been called one of the best uh, fintech companies and have been a pioneer in something called uh, fractional share ownership. Uh, so we're going to be talking to them. And then later on, we speak to Owen Nkomo, who is the CEO of Inkunzi Wealth Group, all about investing in uh, the stock market. So that's how the show is going to be looking like we're also going to be getting into um, the business wrapper to get with uh, Lebo Pasha uh, who is going to be letting us know what's been going around in and around the world of economics for this week and then after that we'll get into uh, the Buffalo Index where we tell you the state of your 100 rand now remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us on social media let us know are you an investor are you interested in investing do you think investing is something that um, primarily needs you to have a lot of money. Do you think that you need to need to know more? Do you trust people with your money? Would you rather invest on your own? Um, let us know what you think on social media. We are VowFM. That's a, so that's a voice of Vits on Facebook together with our other Facebook page. That is the Vits Radio Academy on Twitter. We're at VowFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. And remember that you can stream the station live on VowFM. .co.za Podcasts of the Business Bus Show are available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. Otherwise, you can search for us on iono.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So that's how the show is looking like. Uh, definitely make sure you don't turn that down. We are here for the next hour or so. On the other side of this, we get into the business wrap. Business wrap with Level Pasha. It's time for us to get into the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by uh, uh, Lebo Pasha, who is the general manager for uh, for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute. And he's just going to be giving us that roundup in our business wrap. Lebo, greetings to you. How are the markets? How's the economy? How's business? How are things going this week? Greetings to you, Modiwa, and greetings to the VOFM listeners out there. Um, load shedding is rough. Um, I can't lie. And lo- and and uh, stage four is even rougher than what we remember. So, yeah, it's not easy, but I guess we have to get on with, with, with life and business. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I guess in that, and I guess in continuing with uh, life and business, um, I understand that there are a couple of uh, developments, particularly um, in the financial sector. Yes, we've seen um, quite a lot of profit warnings and things like that in the financial sector broadly. I think um, late last week we saw APSA announcing a 93% decline in first half earnings for them. Standard Bank has been coming out and saying that um, requests for COVID relief are not stopping on their end. So they're quite worried about the impact on bad debts on their books. And um, for the listeners out there in general, in most countries, the financial sector is seen as that crystal ball you look at to see where an economy is going and how it's currently doing right now. So the good news is that um, we've seen AFSA recover slightly from some of the impact of, of, of its announcements last week. So it does mean that there's some positivity. People are hoping that um, the second half of EPSA's financial year will be much better and the, the country will start recovering as we ease out of lockdown. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom, but I think we're not out of the woods yet. And then, you know, it, it's actually quite scary when you think about it from that point of view, um, what's going on out there. When uh, when the financial institution is there uh, talking about, uh, you know, 90% drop in earnings, that is not an easy, um, what's it called, uh, that is not an easy state of affairs at all. But outside of that, um, the Auditor General, uh, COVID-19, I think this is one that uh, we've been um, really hearing about this week. Yeah, things have come to a head, I think, in South Africa regarding corruption and the government's lack of adequate response on it. We've seen a lot of talk shops. We've seen in visos. Um, corruption has been brought up in multiple engagements between um, the public sector and the private sector. We've seen the ratings agency repeatedly ask the government of South Africa to deal with corruption. Um, and over the past 10 to 20 years, we've seen it impact a lot of major projects. Kusile and Midupi are way over budget. Um, they haven't been completed on time as well. And they've cost us billions. They've cost the country billions. And it's time something gets done. So there's a little bit of hope here with the Auditor General being brought in to look at what happened to the COVID-19 funds. Um, we've seen a bit of promising action so far with the UIF executive uh, being suspended, but we're also seeing a lot of calls of people saying it's not enough. Um, suspending the executive team at UIF, um, we will see with time whether it's justified or not um, because their systems are not built to deal with COVID, but also I think um, most stakeholders, that's, that's being the private sector, um, citizens of the country, and also um, the ratings agencies are waiting to see those in power, the politicians being brought to book for corruption or overseeing some of the, these major failures and, and other civil servants being punished for stealing from the country. You said uh, at the beginning that you think that things have come to a head in the country. Do you really think this will be a moment of fundamental change uh, per se, you know, given the fact that some of these things are so predictable? Literally, 
you know, the moment that there was stimulus, people already started saying that there was going to be corruption, people were going to eat the money, and that is exactly what happened. You know, so, you know, issues like that, is anything really going to change? Well, I'd say I've had a conversation with a very interesting Ghanaian businessman, and when you look at Ghana um, and their journey as a country, we are we are at a very similar crossroads where it is up to us to deal with corruption or we will find ourselves with a country that is broke. We are already broke because we're asking the IMF for money. We will find ourselves in a situation where the IMF starts to dictate um, economic policy, macroeconomic policy to us. The IMF will definitely um, hurt the innocent people in the country by reducing social grants or, or demanding that our country does that. Um, that it, it forces the country to tighten its belt. But the biggest losers will definitely be the poorest people in the country. So I can't say that things are changing, but I'll say we are definitely at a crossroads. If nothing is done about this COVID-19 corruption, we as a country are going to be in serious trouble. And then lastly, uh, calls to open the country's borders? Yes, we've seen um, what has happened to the tourism sector. And... I think the biggest sort of um, the biggest sort of noise is the silence. Uh, we haven't seen many ads around tourism. Um, we write in spring. Uh, we just got it into spring. We haven't seen many ads about any sort of travel discounts or anything that's happening out there, and that should really be alarming because South Africa, um, our economy gets a lot of money from tourism, and not just local tourism. We've got South Africans traveling uh, throughout the country. But uh, we want a lot of people from outside of Africa coming into SA, bringing their dollars, bringing their pounds, bringing their euros and other currencies from across the globe and spending them in South Africa. And the tourism sector has basically been shut down ever since we're at level five. It's slowly opening up, but it's also not enough. Um, after uh, five, six months of closure, it's just not enough. Um, livelihoods have been lost. Some of these families are living on tips and we need to reopen our borders. That's the big call, that if you want to save livelihoods in tourism and in all these industries that are allied to tourism, all of these small businesses that sell um, all sorts of um, souvenirs, you need to reopen the borders to allow uh, people from across the globe to come into South Africa. So that's been us with uh, Lebo, Pang, Lebo Hang Pasha, who is uh, the general manager for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute, uh, just giving us a roundup of the week's top uh, economics news. Uh, talking first about how the financial sector is under pressure, a lot of uh, profit warnings coming out from uh, some of the country's uh, big financial institutions, such as ABSA, uh, together with the uh, COVID-19 corruption reports um, that are giving us some insight into how money is being, as the kids say, chowed uh, by some of the country's uh, officials and uh, some bad actors in and around the country uh, where money is meant to go towards helping COVID-19 victims um, uh, economically is uh, being uh, sent to Range Rover dealerships around the country. And then uh, at the end, just talking about uh, calls for opening South Africa's borders um, as uh, the country's uh, tourism industry continues to suffer under the weight of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's been it in terms of uh, this business wrap. On the other side of this, we continue with the show. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. Business Wrap with Level Pasha.
Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. In our Buffalo Index, we let you know the state of your 100 Rand. And for today, because we're talking about uh, investing in the stock market, one of the things that comes into play is something called a brokerage fee. Uh, because there are brokers, those are the people that uh, buy or sell uh, securities or shares on your behalf uh, or on the public's behalf or a client's behalf. And they charge a particular fee to actually make those trades and they actually charge um, what's called a brokerage fee, which is just basically defined as a fee charged by a broker to execute transactions or to provide specialized services. Brokers usually charge brokerage fees for services such as purchases, sales, consultations, negotiations, and deliveries. And the reason why we're bringing this up, as I said, is because we are talking about investing and we decided to go and look at some of the um, uh, top, uh, some of the top platforms um, that are being used, top platforms, some of the big brokers um, in the country that are being used um, by the public. So I think at the top end, we have uh, ABSA stock brokers. Uh, their minimum brokerage fee is sitting at uh, just above a Buffalo, which is at uh, 100 and, uh, 120 Rand. And then uh, we have uh, FNB Securities. It's exactly one Buffalo at 100 Rand. And then NetBank Private Wealth Stock Brokers are coming in at about 0.8 of your Buffalo at 81 Rand. And then PSG Securities, uh, just, just under a buffalo that's at 98 rand three quarters of a buffalo will uh, you know execute a trade for you um with sunlam i trade standard and then the same fee with sunlam i trade pro and then um standard bank is charging just below a buffalo with the 99 rand interestingly easy equities is coming in at uh just one cent so that means that you could uh, realistically execute about uh 10,000 trades um, just for your for your one buffalo. And I'm very interested to understand how this actually works. And it's a good thing that we're going to be talking to uh, the CEO of the Purple Group, which owns Easy Equities, um, and we're going to be understanding that. So that's how your buffalo looks up uh, looks like in the world of uh, buying and selling shares, uh, the fees that you're going to actually pay the people that make the trades on your behalf. That's what it's looking like. On the other side of this, we get into the main topic. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. And for today, we are talking about what it means um, to be investing in the stock market and some of the options that are available um, to you and I. Uh, but remember that you can keep in touch with us. Let us know what your investing journey has been, if any at all. On Facebook, we have our FM, that's Voice of Vits. You can also find our other Facebook page, that is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VowFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. So for today, we're going to start off by talking to, uh, you know, Easy Equities, which is a subsidiary of JSC Listed Purple Group, um, an online platform that allows anyone to buy shares um, in uh, brands and companies uh, that they love uh, for as little as a 5 to 10 rand or whatever amount uh, that they might have available to invest. And uh, with no monthly brokerage fees, uh, newbie and seasoned investors 
investors alike can grow their wealth um, as well as uh, the local economy at large. So that's the conversation we're going to be having and we are uh, happy to have uh, the CEO of Purple Group, um, Mr. Charles Savage, who's going to just, uh, you know, lead us through the conversation. Greetings to you, Charles. Greetings, Madiwa. Thanks for having me on. No, 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 no. Thank you so much. I think just for our listeners who may not have heard as yet about uh, the Purple Group and some of the things that you guys are doing, uh, could you just uh, give us some high-level insight into what uh, Purple Group does? Sure. Uh, The group consists of a a couple of uh, core companies. The the oldest and longest business is a company called GT247.com, and it's a trading destination uh, for people who want to speculate on financial markets. So it's built for sophisticated day traders who want to make money when markets go up and down and uh, want to benefit from volatility. And I've been involved in that business for almost 20 years now. And then we have a uh, asset management business called Emperor Asset Management. Uh, and Emperor is significantly different from your mainstream asset managers in that it's a quantitative-based approach. So it makes investment decisions based on maths and science and reviews the, the stocks that meet the, uh, those algorithm criteria the most and then invests in them. And then finally, the one that we're here to talk about today, Easy Equities. Uh, Easy Equities is only, uh, it'll be six years old in October. And it was built with the deep desire and, and purpose and mission to democratize all things investing. Because in being involved in investing for 20 years, one of the things that we recognized and only recognized it six years ago is that the interfaces uh, that, were, that have been built by stockbrokers to engage investors have been very intimidating, very sophisticated, uh, and they speak a language that no one really understands. And so we wanted to change that dialogue and ensure that we created a friendly, fun, engaging, entertaining, and rewarding space where people felt welcome to start their investment journey. Uh, and that's what Easy Equity is all about. Uh, you know, we there are lots of friction points in the system in getting invested, and our whole purpose is to ensure that we try and eliminate those friction points wherever we can. Um, I think, you know, a part that we're very curious about because in our previous segment, um, we actually were talking about uh, some of the brokerage fees uh, that are being offered across the board. Uh, We mentioned many of your competitors and that uh, it looks like the minimum fee that we could find uh, on the brokerage side was about 75 rand with about 120 rand at the top end of the market. But uh, looking at yours, it looks like it's uh, fine. We have it down as one cent, um, and we just <laughs> and we just want to understand how is that even possible. Um, look, six years ago it wasn't possible, uh, and interestingly, it's quite an interesting storyline. I mean, we recognised one of the biggest barriers to entry is that financial services, and we are not just talking about stockbroking; I'm talking about all financial services they tend to put these minimums in place, whether it's minimum brokerage or minimum investment value or minimum monthly fees. And when you actually, when you review those minimums through the lens of a first time investor, those are huge barriers to entry. I mean, if you think about someone who wants to start investing, and let's just say we all start with a hundred rand. We don't start with a million rand or a thousand rand. We all start with small amounts of money and uh, not because we necessarily don't have it, but because we're starting. We want to learn. We want to engage. And we'll grow as we grow in confidence 
the more capital we might put at play. But the problem is that these minimums don't allow us to start because it just costs too much. So when we built easy equities, we knew we needed to get rid of minimums. Uh, we naively thought it would be easy. We thought, well, we'll just get rid of them. But fundamentally, actually, the whole ecosystem supports minimums. So, you know, you trade with us. We have to trade those volumes away to the JSC. And where we deal with the JSC, there were these minimums in place as well. So in order to get rid of them, we had to back ourselves into a very bold business plan. And so what we said is we said, in order to get rid of minimums, we did the analysis and we, ne we needed to get to something like 100,000 active customers to break even if we got rid of minimums. Mm. So essentially what the other stockbrokers are saying is that those minimums fit their business model and they stuck for the size of that business. And I think prior to Easy Equities, Standard Bank was the largest online stockbroker and they had about 70,000 active accounts. Today, we've got over 250,000 accounts and in, a, in eliminating these minimums, we've welcomed in a new audience of investors, first-time investors, that are predominantly young South Africans, so 60% of our customers are, under the, are millennials and younger. Yeah. Average age is about 32 and getting younger every year. And interestingly, the average investment that they make um, is about 500 rand per investment. Now, if you think about Imagine a world where we were charging 100 rand, let's say, as a minimum, every time you invested 500 rand. You just wouldn't do it. So, you know, it was a hell of important for us to get rid of it. And uh, it cost us a lot in the sense that, you know, if you go back and you look at our financials, in total, we've invested over 150 million. In fact, it's probably close to 180 million rand in enabling a platform that, as part of its DNA, had to fund transaction costs in order to get to a break-even point. Yeah. And and actually on that, I like the fact that you've already started to give us some insight into who some of the users are. And uh, because of the people that are listening to us, a lot of uh, young adults that might or might not be investing or being afraid to invest or might not have the knowledge to invest. What are some of the barriers that you guys as Easy Equities are actually helping to break? What are some of the, the knowledge or mental things that, you know, you guys are hoping to break? Because there, there's the financial side, uh, which is getting rid of those brokerage fees. But at the same time, you need to get, you need to inspire confidence to get even people to download the app and actually trust that if they say execute, you know, 500 rand, I want some NASPAS shares or something, they need to trust that their money is going to go there and that it's not going to get stolen, all of those issues. Yeah. So there, there are, there are a fair amount of barriers. I, you know, the one thing I want to start with is, Warren Buffett is a massive inspiration for us. And, you know, that's, it seems obvious to say that. I mean, he's probably the greatest, not probably, he's the greatest investor of our time. And he, he just turned 90. But what is it that inspired us about Warren is that he started his, he, he was asked a question by uh, someone like yourself interviewing him and saying, he said, what is the biggest investment mistake you've ever made? expecting Warren to say that I bought shares in companies that went down. And obviously, and we all do that, uh, you know, as investors, if we get our investments right 60% of the time, we win. That's the, the math sort of behind it. But Warren's response had nothing to do with shares. His, his biggest investments mistake that he's ever made was that he didn't start young enough. Now, Warren was, he was 11 years old. Now, you have to go back 79 years for when, to when Warren was 11. And just think about, I mean, I'm not that old, and as you, as you can hopefully tell, 
But mm. think about what the world looked like when Warren was 11 years old and he had to start stockbroking. And he saved his money by recycling old Coke bottles. Um, and in those, and, and Coke is one of his biggest investments, one of his favorite investments. He stayed with it since then. And he, he sold these recycled Coke bottles, so he got some capital together. He walked into a stockbroker and he bought some shares. Now, the barriers to entry back then were real. We had lots of excuses. Yeah. The barriers to entry today are very, very few. And when we looked at the market, there were two key ones that we wanted to address. The first, which we've talked about, is let's get rid of minimums so that everyone can play. The second one was that fractionalization of shares, the actual stock prices of shares was also a big barrier. So if you think about it, you talked about NASPAT earlier. NASPAT is a 3,000 Rand stock. How many people have got 3,000 Rand to start an investment <laughs> journey in NASPAT? And yet NASPAT has been the darling of South African stock exchange for the last few years. So everyone wants to own it. Everyone wants to own Capitec and MTN and a whole lot of other stocks that are just unaffordable through their stock price. So we fractionalize stocks that you can buy one rand of any stock. And that means that you can own a piece of NASPAS and a piece of Capitec and a piece of any share that you want. And we did that for South Africa and for all shares that, that we offer. So U.S. shares and Australian shares. You know, in, in America, the stock prices are much more expensive. You know, um, something like Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company, that's a hundred and I think it's a two hundred thousand dollar stock. So you know, not many people can afford one of those. But the fractionalization was a big element. Then, a key thing was what we called interface sophistication. So I'm a I'm actually a tech guy. I built all of GT247 systems, I was part of the team that built those systems. And I remember when we built systems, the people we used to interview were traders. So we built in, uh, in, in satisfying the demand for people who were already educated and understand, understood trading. So they were very sophisticated. And if you've ever logged onto a trade, what I would call a trading platform, no. they look very and feel complex. like the inside of, yeah, they look and feel like the inside of a cockpit of a plane. You know, there's <laughs> buttons and red and green. And if you touch that, you think the, you might crash and you know, you just don't know what to do. So we needed to, to create a much easier interface, one that felt and looked more like Twitter, Facebook, Snapscan, you know, Uber than the, the cockpit of a, of a Boeing. And then finally, we recognized that if people were going to, education was a critical um, friction point. You know, it's, people want to make informed decisions. And so around education, we've got a whole lot of strategies. But the first one is that we knew that the early adopters would be people that understood investing. And so we encouraged them and engaged them to share their experiences in social media. So you will see people tweeting their trades and then you'll see conversations that go on around those transactions. So if I say I buy NASPAS and I tweet it, I'll get a response from someone who says, well, you know, why did you like NASPAS and what, you know, what about Capitech? So yeah. the conversations have moved from being in the closet where you used to have it with a broker one-on-one -on -one, to happening in social media spaces where we can all sit behind you and listen in on those conversations. And I'm, I'm experiential, I've learned everything from standing behind players or alongside players that are better than me at things. So for example, at school, I never did particularly well, at university, I never did particularly well. I did enough just to get by because I can't, I just can't sit and read textbooks. It just does not in my DNA. Yeah. But in life and in business, I've done all right. And I've done that by, by surrounding myself with people that are much better than me at things uh, that I'm not good at. And for the benefit of, of investing in this modern age is you can surround yourself with the best investors in the world. 
you can follow them on Twitter. You can follow the, all of the uh, listed CEOs um, and you can engage with them and build an understanding of investing and the companies that you're investing in. That is, is as good as any other person that would be reviewing um, those stocks. 20 years ago, that, you know, that, that could, it couldn't happen. And that's why investing was the, it was the privilege of people who had those insider conversations. They had access to CEOs and to boards and to strategies of the companies. Today, access to information has been democratized and I can't think of a, a listed CEO in America, South Africa, not quite there yet, that you can't follow on Twitter and engage in the conversation around their new products, their strategy, their services, their financials, uh, et cetera. So, you know, for us, those were the, the key elements of our design where there are always friction points that we stumble on. As an example, uh, KYC, which is your FICA, your, your requirements, that's been a massive friction point. The fact that you need a bank statement and a proof of residency and you go like students don't have a proof of residency. So we've had to address that, but we've had to do it in a legal way. So we've spent a lot of time and effort in improving the onboarding and making it easier. Um, and lots of other th small things that we do around education and understanding YouTube channels. Um, we do research uh, for free. We do a whole lot of other stuff that just makes it easier and easier. The key thing, and the only advice I would give um, is that you have, just have to start because the investment journey can start with one rand. It doesn't matter whether it's one rand, 50 rand, or 50,000 rand. Once you're invested, the educational journey will follow. Um, once you've bought your first stock and learned a few lessons, it'll lead you to your next stock. So the biggest barrier to entry fundamentally is you just starting. Once you've started and you've engaged and you're part of the community, you'll be blown away by the resources and availability of people who are there to help and support you on that investment journey and the tools. I think as we end off, because uh, we have run out of time, is just what's going on uh, with your partnership uh, with the Capitec. Yeah, so it's it's ready, it's in testing, uh, it's past testing, it's beyond that. What we're waiting for uh, is just final regulatory approvals and sign-offs. So the partnership between Capitec and uh, and Easy Equities was happened during COVID. So that's, uh, that means that it's been difficult for the regulators to do their, their regular sign-offs, typically their site visits and interviews to make sure that everything's working as it should. So we just wait, that's literally all we're waiting for. Um, the application is built, it's been tested internally by their team. It looks amazing. We're hell of excited about what it's going to do. Um, we're just waiting for the regulators to give us the, the green tick and we'll launch it. So that's been us with uh, Charles Savage, who is the CEO of the Purple Group, um, which uh, owns and operates Easy Equities, an online uh, securities trading platform. And he was just giving us some insight into how they actually came up um, with the platform itself and then the business model just around it, especially um, around uh, taking down the brokerage fees, uh, which have been a big uh, inhibitor for a lot of people gaining um, gaining. Uh, gaining some type of access to um, shared trading and also talking about the fact that um, they've uh, sort of pioneered in the local market this issue of uh, fractional share ownership because not everyone has the money to be buying a two three thousand rand uh, you know stock so a lot of people can come in um, at a lower price and democratize the ownership of shares so that's been it thank you so much to Charles on the other side of this we continue with the show keep it 
Peter Blocked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. In our COVID Business Watch, this is where we look at the impact of COVID-19 on various businesses in and around South Africa. And in this week's edition, we have someone who started her business a month after the lockdown started, which means during the pandemic. Our producer, Slyn Lemusivi, spoke to uh, Mamore Nyama, who is a 26-year-old from Limpopo, but is actually currently based in Johannesburg. She is an aspiring business mogul, a biochemistry and microbiology uh, graduate from Fitz University and a founder of two businesses that is Maylux Swimwear which was founded in 2016 uh, selling swimwear and she recently founded Lux Suits um, in the middle of the pandemic and uh, they specialize in making custom made formal, semi-formal smart casual and casual ladies suits. You can find them on uh, social medias uh, that's at Maylux Swimwear and at Lux underscore suits on all social media platforms. So we asked the question, did the global pandemic have a negative or positive impact on your business? What would you say you have learned from the unpredictable losses um, you have experienced? Um, do you think that your business will pick up um, soon after the pandemic? Why? And then also, how would you advise entrepreneurs that have been severely affected by the pandemic? Here's what she had to say. The global pandemic has definitely caused a negative impact on my business because I am in swimwear and literally no one buys swimwear when they are not traveling. It's very rare to get someone who wants to buy swimwear just to chill and be indoors at home. And as we all know, local travel was banned. International travel was also banned. So there was literally no income unless someone felt generous and they just really wanted to have a bikini with them. So, yeah, it was definitely um, hectic and really awful. For my business um i've learned to save up and always expect a bit of a downfall even when your business is doing well i would have never ever predicted this but I've learned that always save up money for the business as well to sustain you probably for the next six months should a pandemic happen. So that you, you, you're obviously going to feel it still, but it won't be as bad because you were always prepared for it. Yeah, the business will pick up it is already starting to pick up as local travel bans have been lifted so a few amount of people are coming in inquiring ordering you know paying getting their orders so slowly but surely so i definitely have a positive outlook on the fact that 
it will definitely pick up soon. And we are approaching December. Some people would probably love to visit some lodges that are nearby and they'll need a cute bikini from us. So I have hope. My advice to entrepreneurs who have been affected by the pandemic is that do not panic. I I know we already panic and all that, but do not give up. If you can afford to sustain yourself, just one last time or just for, you know, the few little days or months that are left, do it. Take the risk. Um, everything will pick up. Have hope. Do your marketing still. Do not give up on your business. It will pick up. So do not do not stay down. We are already down. Don't stay down. Do your marketing. Talk to people. And yeah, everything will go well. And all the best to all the entrepreneurs that are trying to pick their businesses up. We will come out of this. More justice on the business bars. We continue our show just around investing in uh, the stock market. And right now we're going to be having more of a, you know, a financial advisor's perspective. Uh, we just came from uh, talking to the guys over at Easy Equities, uh, telling us about their platform. Uh, but right now we want to switch over and uh, talk to uh, Owen Como from Inkunzi um, Wealth Group. But before that, remember that you can keep in touch with us on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vits. And then our other the Facebook page is Viz Radio Academy, and then on Twitter we're at VARFM, and our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. So right now, um, our uh, the question uh, that we're asking is just around uh, how COVID nineteen has actually affected investors and their ability to actually invest um, or buy and sell shares, um, you know, and investing in companies. And as I said, we are joined by the CEO of Nkunzi Wealth Group, uh, Owen Como. Owen. Greetings to you. Greetings and uh, greetings to the listeners. I think uh, just as a good uh, jumping off point for us, can you take us through some of the financial services that you guys are offering um, as in Kunzi Wealth Group? Okay, uh, thank you so much for that question. Um, we offer quite a wide array of uh, investment solutions for high net worth clients. We deal with people that want to invest money for the long term, investing in South Africa, and investing overseas as well. Guys uh, want dollar exposure, pound exposure, essentially hard currency exposure. We do those things for them as well. And then we do uh, all-round wealth management, where we do risk management for individuals and for companies. And, you know, we create retirement solutions as well for those people. We also provide stock broking services uh, to a limited uh, market. Uh, you know, there is people that have got a decent amount of cash to invest. And those are the people that we do discretionary portfolio management for as Inkun's Wealth Group. 
And then how can actually, you know, someone, because I think that's uh, the main crux of our show for today, because it does sound like um, you guys are offering quite a wide range um, of options for people that want to get into investing. Uh, but we're, we're quite um, interested uh, for our listeners uh, to get a sense of how people without um, a finance background can actually get into uh, the buying and selling of securities um, on an, on the JSC, for example, and uh, you know what are some of the options that you might have available for them? It's relatively easy. Um, it's easier than actually people think. Um, you know, all you have to do, you get in touch with, with us. You get in touch with us, and you 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 let us know how how much you want to invest and why you want to invest, and we have an intelligent conversation around who you are what your journey is in the medium term to the long term and um you know we then create a solution for you our conversation takes about an hour if it's a simple uh i want to open a stockbroking account and trade and it takes a couple of days if it's i've got this big portfolio i would like to uh text portfolio and mix and match it or rather i want to relook at my portfolio in terms of whether or not it's been doing well for me or if it's properly structured uh to match my goals for the long term and we then create a solution for 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 you based on that engagement it's very simple uh the guys just send an email to us or they call our office and they ask for an appointment we're very big on zoom these days and microsoft teams which makes it very convenient for people all around the world actually we've been dealing with clients in dubai uh in the middle east in the usa and here in south africa and on the continent as well using uh, this technology. So I think that as much as COVID has been a, a pain in the wrong places, it's actually uh, opened up other other channels for us to talk to people that we previously didn't think we had access to. So technology has come in nicely and handily for us to, to deal with our clients. I think a very good thing then uh, for our listeners is to maybe get some insight into into the journey behind um, Owen Koma. How did you sort of get your start, you know, for the people that are still a bit doubtful and might be wanting some real-life experience of how someone like you actually got into it and has done so far? All right, look, it's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a long and a hard road. It continues to be hard, particularly from um, an access-to-markets perspective. But I think, you know, the important thing is that uh, one uh, started off when the markets were still reasonably uh, undervalued. I started in the markets in 2003. Uh, I'm still in the market, been around for 17 years in the market. I started off, I got my first job actually uh, by, you know, sheer coincidence. I was at the JSE thinking stockbrokers still go to the JSE to trade. But um, obviously that's not the case. They had started already trading from their offices. They decentralized the uh, open uh, open floor trading platforms. So I just happened to be sitting there, dejected, when these two guys uh, came and sat next to me at the restaurant after I'd been chatting to the guys at the JSE. And um, next thing we were living together, going to their office, you know, I insisted on going with them just to get a sense of what the guys do. And I ultimately got employed by those guys uh, and made my way all the way through a couple of smaller brokers. Um, and I went to Deutsche Bank and then I went to uh, JP Morgan and then ended up at Citigroup in where I actually left in 2011 after I stint of about 10 odd years in the markets. Um, 
working for big banks, you know, trading shares and managing um, equity books for these institutions and participating in IPOs and things like that. And then in 2011, I decided to set up Influence Wealth Group to give people access to trading uh, platforms because many people have been asking if I can help them uh, start trading stocks and things like that, trading currencies. Uh, and I thought there was a market to be addressed because, you know, back at the time, not many people had access to technology. These days, things are much better, but we're still far from where we need to be, especially at the, uh, at the lower end of the market. Um, and uh, now that uh, you you have had uh, the business running for some time now, um, almost a decade, what has been the take-up um, uh, since you started uh, the progress? Can you give us some color on that? No, look, it's been great. I mean, uh, the brand has done well. Um, there is not that many brands that deal directly with the retail market that offer as wide an array of services as we do that has the media presence that we have. So we've got thousands and thousands of clients around the country that we have serviced. We are now um, investing aggressively on long-term investments of big lump sums of cash. So we're talking about a minimum of a million rands plus. Um, you know, whereas we started off doing small amounts of cash, and once the markets at the top started getting confident that we can assist them, we then started seeing a large flow of clients who got bigger tickets. You know, we're dealing with clients. Um, that trust our brand and they want to build their wealth and transfer that wealth over the next several decades through our platform. And I, we continue to see lots of um, positive intake, uptake of our solutions uh, across the country. And we're excited about that. Uh, even though at the moment we only have a presence in Johannesburg and Durban uh, and KZN rather, we are able to reach out to people on on the ground in other provinces to deliver these services that we are delivering. And I think uh, that actually leads us quite nicely to, you know, one of the big uh, talking points when it comes to investing, especially for um, younger people, um, because there's this impression, because at the beginning of the conversation, you actually mentioned that um, getting into the market is easier than people think. Uh, so for those people, you know, who still have that mindset that it is hard, um, what are some of the things, uh, what are some of the solutions that you do have um, I guess the costs that are involved, what are some of the minimums uh, for people that might want to get involved? Okay, look, I mean, it's relatively easy. So if you want to invest for the long term, because we now have decided to specialize, we're specializing in the professional markets. If you are a professional, uh, we will start you off with an investment of 2,500 rents. We can engage online. And we can set up that investment for you. And if you, when it comes to lump sums, all lump sums are 100,000 rands, minimum of a lump sum. But for people that work for the government, you can start off with 500 rands a month investing on our platform because we know in future uh, you will leave the employment of the government. But now and again, people come to us and they say, listen, um, I would like to partner with you guys to help build a portfolio for me. And we are able to, you know, make, uh, make concessions. If we think those people are long-term um, clients that would want to work with, we do make those concessions. So it's very simple. You, you just do. We actually request you to give us certain static information and populate your applications. Obviously, after engaging you and finding out what you are looking for, uh, and then we open an investment account for you. On the trading side, it's the same. You complete a bunch of uh, 
questions online. We open a trading portfolio for you. Uh, you either trade for yourself or we give you some ideas in terms of uh, what we feel is uh, a good market to be trading or good shares for you to actually be putting your cash in. And, you know, some of our platforms are available online, uh, obviously via links. But we then send you after we engage you to, to create the solutions. I think for a lot of people, it might seem obvious that for first-time investors um, that uh, there should be uh, a leaning a leaning more towards, uh, how can I say, a more managed portfolio. But I guess in a practical sense, uh, what's your actual advice on that front? Should people, you know, perhaps get into the market for themselves, get a feel of how trading actually goes, or you know, rather go the managed route from from the uh, from the get go? Look, I mean, I think for for someone who's got a someone who's got um, no experience in the market, it's easier to just trust guys like us. We will take you from step one to implementation and monitoring your portfolio and doing your reviews over time. But uh, what I reckon is very important is the understanding of the fact that today's market allows people to access information, to get access to information in a much easier uh, pattern than they used to in the past. You know, you used to wait for a long time to get access to information. But right now, all you have to do is a Google. So you can get some training. You can spend time on the Internet. You can teach yourself how these things work. And uh, you can ultimately end up doing the investments without any, any major challenges. So we do encourage people to consider both depending on their circumstances. So if someone is a manager or a director or a CEO or business person or a director in a government department, you know, they don't have time to do these things for themselves. So they'll much rather give custody of the assets to a company like ours where we've got 15 investment professionals that will allow you to create portfolios both in South Africa and offshore. And not only do that, but when new ideas come out, for example, we uh, have been raising capital for student accommodation funds. When those ideas come up, we put those ideas in front of the clients who are already our clients. And, um, you know, the uptake is, is relatively decent. So we are out here to look at all of those opportunities. And I'd like to say that maybe before someone starts investing, they need to make a conscious decision uh, on whether they want to be given advice and implement themselves or they want to get given advice and the implementation must be done by a professional like us. So an example I always use is an example of a doctor. No, if I go out there and I go on the internet and I find out how heart surgery is done, it doesn't mean I'll get home if my mother has got a heart problem. I'll go home and say, Mama, I now read a few things, lie on the bed, new things. No, you can't do that. You need to go to a real doctor to do that for you, particularly if the if there's a lot at stake, you know, and I think uh for people out there, especially black people, uh, the odds are always stacked against them when it comes to investing because uh, we hardly ever have big lump sums of cash or we hardly ever are in a position to invest. And when we get the opportunity to invest, I do think we need to do, do justice to that opportunity by getting professional advice. But um, the interesting thing is, I don't know if you've been following this this uh, investigation by the FSCA of uh, JP Markets, where JP Markets, a company that was started less than about five years ago, um, you know, has been misbehaving. But bottom line is they've got 258 million rands in their account, uh, you know, from small, medium to big people. You know, trading currency is an exciting thing. The bottom line is people are out there, they want to trade. They just want someone who sits on the other end and hold their hand through the process of uh, setting up uh, uh, the platforms that will help them get access to these trading opportunities. The money is there. 
we just need to cross the bridge where people uh, actually get uh, access to to easy solutions. You were talking about easy equities earlier. It's a brilliant platform. People can invest their money there in a matter of minutes. And I've seen some of uh, the people I meet on a daily basis having started on easy equities because they can use very limited amounts of cash to start trading. So we are on technology um, platforms on a daily basis. And certainly, I think that the trading and investing platforms have become easier and easier to access just because of the extensive use of technology. So that's been it. Uh, we were talking to Owen Como, who is the CEO of Nkunzi Wealth Group, uh, just giving us an insight into their platform and also uh, how he's been able to leverage his many years um, in the in the industry, um, investing in stocks, being part of uh, some big banks and big financial institutions, and then coming in to um, begin uh, their own uh, wealth group, which has been in existence for almost a decade. Uh, he's talking about the fact that. Uh, they've had um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, good engagement on the platform. Uh, a lot of people are investing their stocks. They allow people to trade on their own. Uh, but he's also just talking about the fact that in the beginning, it might be advisable for you to have an investment professional looking after your portfolio as you educate yourself more and more in and around the markets. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. You're tuned in to the business bus. So with that, we've come to the end of today's show. Thank you so much to Charles and Owen for sharing their insights with us. I think it's very important that uh, everyone out there somehow, some way, you understand just what's going on in and around uh, the stock market, maybe get involved. But more than anything else, just understand what's going on in the world of investing before you decide whether or not you're going to write it off or actually just dive dive all the way in. If this isn't your preferred method of investing, you can just let us know, engage with us on social media. Let us know what are you doing to grow your money because the stock market is a very good um, place for you to be investing your money. Money. Um, over time, they usually have um, higher returns than anything else. But at the same time, it's not the only way. People can start businesses. People can invest in property. Uh, people can uh, create a product uh, that uh, makes passive income over time. There are so many different options. You can let us know what you think on Facebook. We have our FM, that's Voice of Vids. You can also find our other Facebook page, uh, that is uh, Vids Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business. Buzz. You can also search for us on iono.fm for all podcast links there and then all our content is available on vids.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So with that, we've reached the end of uh, today's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team. Our technical producer is Kutlano Serame, together with uh, our executive producer, Glory Mabuza. Our producers, Sinindem Sibi and Tando Klemba, together with Simbarashe Honde. Don't miss the business bar, same time, same place next week for more insight into the world of business. Don't turn that down. There's more great content coming up on the Val FM lineup. So for myself, Mudio Mod, Justice Gabaza and the rest of the team. It is good afternoon and take care. More justice on the business bars. The business bars podcast.